So um, I don't know about everyone in the room, but I just felt such a sweet presence from the Lord here hovering over us and and there's real exchange that happens in our times of worship. Um, the reason why, one of the main reasons we gather together is to worship God, because he's worthy, <laughs> period, not for any other reason. I mean, there are, there are multiple sub-reasons. <laughs> like we experience today, he responds to our worship, and we benefit and are blessed by it, which is just... Uh, shows how awesome he is, right? That <laughs> he doesn't have to do that, and yet he does. He's worthy. All of heaven is in a constant song to the one who is worthy because he is worthy, period. And that will go on for all of eternity, day and night, night and day, forever and ever and ever. It's kind of funny because <laughs> you read that in Revelation, right? This is, I'm just, this is not my message, but I, I feel to say this. We read this in, if you read Revelation chapter 4, 5, and it says, oh, and then they sing a song, holy is the Lord. They never stop singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord who was and is and is to come. They just repeat. It's like on repeat over and over again. And these angels who are covered with eyes, uh, shading their eyes with their wings, and then it's like they peek at his holiness again and they have to cover their eyes because they're like, oh my gosh, this, this is God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they've been singing this since before times began. Okay? <laughs> we can't even fathom that. They've been singing this since before time began. He is the Alpha and Omega. He's the be before the beginning, before creation. Well, I guess the angels were created before the earth was created. Angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, right? Um, and it's kind of funny how where we've gotten to as believers. Can you imagine just singing that song? Every Sunday we come and we spend 45 minutes just singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come over and over <laughs> and over again because we keep getting revelation of who he is. Where we're at as a, a body of believers, I don't think we can handle it, honestly. I just don't. Um, it'd be like, okay, can we sing something new for a change? We keep singing the same phrase over and over again. But the, the reality is the only reason why we're in that place is because we don't. We're not receiving that revelation over and over again. But the good news is there is access to that revelation where we're constantly being washed by the holiness of God. And as we sing it, we catch a glimpse that Jesus on the cross, remember it said that when he died, the veil was torn. What did that represent? It said now, in the covenant that we're in now, the veil has been torn. So Moses had to cover his face after seeing Jesus because it shone so brightly. And it says, now we come before God with unveiled faces to see him. He has made a way through his son that we might gaze upon him and then be wrecked by him, by his beauty, by his holiness, by his majesty. And I, I want to encourage you today, um, 
if you struggle in a place of worship, when I say sing your own song, and you're like, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know what that even means. How do I sing a song to God? It's starting to even look at the scripture in Revelation. Think about what he looks like. He's described in there. In the book of Daniel, he's described as what he looks like. Isaiah and Jeremiah also describe him. And you start to meditate on those words. And you, God gave us an imagination for a reason. We close our eyes and we get to picture him. And then you start to sing from your heart, the overflow of your heart. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Beautiful God. Great and awesome King. Faithful God. And then we start to remember the places in our lives, right, where he's expressed and shown who he is, and we meditate on those things. That's what they did in the Old Testament. They remembered what he had done and sang songs to him. That's what they did. So when, when I encourage them, you sing your song to the Lord, number one, it's because the Lord loves your voice. He loves your song. He loves you specifically and uniquely and there's a song that he wants to hear from your heart to his that is communion with the father and we're going to be doing this for all of eternity and it's not boring <laughs> some might think really <laughs> for all of eternity i'm going to be singing holy i don't know I don't know, Does that, that doesn't sound like a great heaven to me, but it is. It's going to be the most exciting, thrilling, amazing thing ever because we're going to see Jesus face to face, God face to face in the fullness of his presence that our entire being must cry out and sing because that's who he is. So I want to encourage you, we're, we're trying to cultivate that now. We want heaven in the earth. Jesus told us to pray. As it is in heaven, let it be on the earth. How is it in heaven? They're singing, holy, holy, holy. They're constantly worshiping God. And we're asking him, God, let it be in heaven. As it is in heaven, let it be on earth. In the same way, purity, fullness of joy. So I want to encourage you in our times of worship, we don't view that as just like a, a thing to do because churches do that. <laughs> we do it because he's worthy. He's worthy. And we don't want to just rush through it because it's a thing to do. He's worthy. We could spend the whole time gathered together worshiping him because he is worthy. <laughs> and this is what's happening in heaven. And we want to get to a place where we're thrilled by that, where we're excited and anticipating what he's going to do in our midst as we align ourselves with what's happening in heaven. And this is kind of a segue into the message today because uh, as you most of us know, the past probably six weeks, we've been talking about being spiritually minded versus being naturally minded. Now, if you haven't been here 
hop online and listen to the messages because God is releasing a clear message in this hour for our church family here. And of course, it would benefit any believer, but because the Bi- it's the Bible. <laughs> but we truly believe that it's for our church community here that God is teaching us to be spiritually minded and not naturally minded. And there's a lot of scripture, so I'm not going to go into it, but I, I, this is in line. We're moving in. Pastor Tom spoke last week about being spiritually minded within community. And this is kind of the transition we're making for the past four or five weeks plus, maybe six. We've been talking about being spiritually minded as an individual, right? And I'm just going to hit on it real quick. What that means is we're not thinking through this natural lens of um, humanism, right? That's what we've been talking about. If you don't know what humanism is, it's an actual organization that says that everything that you need is within you to face the world as a human that humans have the answers to all the world's problems. And if we just search deep within ourselves enough, we will find the answer to all world's problems. Well, that does not seem, at least in the past 2,000 years, maybe 6,000 years, to have worked. (laughs) Right? No matter how deep we look, there are still so many problems in the earth that we cannot solve in ourselves and the reason is because we were not meant to solve them in and of ourselves we don't have the answer in and of ourselves but we serve a god who is the answer humanists believe that there is no spiritual realm at all that everything is natural the way that we uh look at the world is natural and the and the problem with this is it's crept into the church through our culture, through the way that we've been uh, grown up, the way that we've been living, the way that we're, you know, studied in school, everything is through this humanist mindset that I have what I need to face the world's problems. And of course, if you live that way or try to live that way, you will come to the end of yourself and realize at at the end of that road will always be the realization you don't have it. Always, for any person in all of humanity, because God did not design us to have it. (laughs) So you you go down that path, you're going to end at this big dead-end road saying, oh my gosh, I didn't have it. I remember I served at a ministry in New York City called Street Life Ministries, And every Saturday, we would go out to the streets and set up what we called a prayer station. It was a big red banner and cable, and we had Bibles out and tracts. I'm not a huge fan of tracts, but, hey, God can use them. And we'd set them out, and we'd wear these big red aprons that said, Prayer Changes Things. And we'd go out in the streets in New York, stand on a corner, and offer to pray with people. Again, guys, think about it. This is not so, I mean, we looked stupid in the natural (laughs) We did. You know, especially in the wintertime, you're all bundled up. You look like a big marshmallow with this huge. Renee, no, she was there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, at least she was in the summer. But there are these big baggy aprons. Prayer changes things. And you're going up to people, hey, you want prayer for anything today? Right? So in the natural, you look silly, foolish, embarrassing. But in the supernatural realm, when you know 
that God's presence changes things and that prayer does change realities, you can stand there and be as joyful. I mean, it's fun because you get to uh, uh, break into somebody's normal day with the power of the gospel and the power of our God, right? So I remember we were on this corner and there was always these uh, war veterans standing there with signs against the war, like protesting, bring them out of the war, you know, and they wouldn't say anything really unless someone came up to talk to them, and they were very hostile towards us. <laughs> um, so I remember I ended up building relationship with this guy named Bill, and he was a humanist, and over the years, we started to have conversation where I just kept asking him questions. I didn't really preach much. I just Asked him, well, what do you what do you think about this, Ben? And what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And soon, after about a year, going up, going into two years, he was in his late eighties. He said, "You know, I'm realizing I don't know the answers to the majority of the things that I believe." And he said, "I I've been going home every day, and studying the Bible on my computer, because." what you're saying seems to hit something deeper in me than the things that I've been searching for my whole life. And he said, my daughter is a born-again believer, and we've had broken relationship for so many years because we fought and fought and fought and fought. And he said, but now I'm starting to realize, I think she's right. And I thought, woo, those, that's, this probably happened because of the prayers of his daughter, right? <laughs> She's praying, God, encounter my dad, God, get him. And then here I am, this 20-year-old girl just saying, hey, so how does it work in this scenario? And how does it work in this scenario? And how does it work in this scenario? <laughs> just question after question where he's saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He gave his life to the Lord before he passed. But, but the whole point of this story is that he lived 88 years 88 years believing that something within him could solve the world's problems. And it wasn't until in this moment, somebody, the Lord sent, because of, I believe, the prayers of his daughter, the Lord sent this outsider who had the place and the time every single Saturday to just stand there and annoy him with a million questions to the point where the Holy Spirit had been preparing his heart and he gave his life to the Lord, he realized at the end of his life, and now this is the sad part, that he had wasted 88 years. Isn't that heartbreaking? To arrive at the end of your life and say, whoa, I haven't belie been believing. But thankfully, he did give his heart. You know, He gave his life to the Lord, and then he shortly, at 92, he passed away. But these are the things that that's where humanism will land you in the end. You will always hit a dead end. No matter how long. He had 88 years of studying all sorts of religions and philosophies. And it still ended him at the end of his life at this dead end where he said, this is, this is not it. Right? That's where it ends you. And so we are searching as a community. The, <laughs> the whole purpose that... Uh, Pastor Tommy and I are, are here. Number one, for myself, I want to, at the end of the age, I want to stand before God and say, I did not live to please man. I live to please God. 
period. <laughs> that's all that I want. I did not leave, live to please man because that's worthless, <laughs> and that will fade away. It's a lot easier to live to please God than it does it is to live to please man. I'm just telling you that right now. It is a lot easier to live to please God than it is to live to please man because you just can't. You can't please man. It's impossible. Everybody's different. <laughs> They'll want something different from you. So on a personal level, we are preparing a body of people to have a heart posture and be spiritual-minded that we, at the end of the age, would be found as approved by God. That's what Paul was saying about all his communities, that he was preparing them that they, at the end of the age, would be approved by God. What does that mean? That they would stand and say, we did not live to please man, but we live to please God, and we stand before him covered in the blood and in his righteousness. Fully, fully equipped. That's why we're here. Uh, we're not here to do a service on Sunday, guys. That's not why we're here. We're here to equip and train this body to that we all might individually and collectively stand together before God and say we lived not to please man but to please God. And our hearts were fully in that place. So we're talking now, going from, I mean, we each have to learn to be spiritually minded in our individual lives. And again, I want to encourage you to listen to past sermons uh, to understand what that might look like practically in your life. Or come to our first principles groups, right? Sound doctrine groups, right? That will also hit some stuff. But we're now, even in our sound doctrine groups on Wednesday, we're talking about corporate mindedness. What is the church? And we must understand what the church is in order to understand what it means to be spiritually minded as a corporate body of believers, right? <laughs> if I don't know, if I think that church is Sunday morning at, uh, you know, whatever time to whatever time, a few songs come in, announcements, and a message, if I think that that is the fullness of what church is, I will never understand what it means to be spiritually minded in a corporate body of believers, the church. We won't. We must allow, the scripture says, and this is what we've been talking about, right, in so Sound Doctrine groups, our last group was about what is the church. And we got in a discussion. First thing just said, well, what? Two or three gathered together in God's name. Is that the church? We found out that that's not the church. That's not what the Bible says the church is. And if you're like, whoa, hold on. You just broke my brain, like Bobby says. You just broke my brain. Yeah. <laughs> then what is the church? The church, in essence, and I'm going to shorten it here. You can join our groups to get into deep dialogue around it, is Acts 2.42, the beginning of the church, right? There is fellowship. There's leadership, there's regular gathering together, and there's prayer. Okay, that's the church. Those are four aspects that need to be there. So, so if me and Tommy and the Greeners are together hanging out, we're not a church. We are part of a church. We're a part of a corporate body that has those four functioning parts. Okay? That makes sense? So... 
this is what Paul is saying in Ephesians 3, and Tommy touched on this last week. Pastor Tommy, I'm going to use that. Um, Pastor Tommy, Pastor Tom, TT. <laughs> <Any other? laughs> TT, Pastor T. <laughs> Minister Tom. <laughs> I don't know, we can come up with some fancy things. Huh? Rev. <laughs> That's not <laughs> Oh, it's very fun. Yeah, exactly. So in Ephesians 3, verse 8, this is Paul speaking. He's writing to the church of Ephesus, and he's letting them know what his specific calling was. He says, to me, the very least of all the saints, the grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery for which for ages has been in hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So Paul is making some big statements. He said that his whole calling was to reveal the plan of God for the church. That's huge, <laughs> right? That God specifically gave him a revelation of how the church was supposed to function. That word, as we've learned, administration of the mystery, that word administration means Household order. Let that be ingrained in your mind. He was given the, the, the position and role to teach all the churches that were to be planted, through many through him and many through other apostles. His role was to reveal the household order, meaning how the church is supposed to function. This is a household. We're a family. We, we talk about that all the time. We're a family. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Doesn't every family have household rules, a way that you function together, a proper order? Just in your individual, as in your individual family, there's an order. In the church, there's an order. And Paul's whole purpose was to reveal that order so that we would function in the way that Christ designed, and then catch this, it's for a spiritual purpose, not natural, spiritual. <laughs> it says in verse 10, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to who? The rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Our whole existence as a body of people has one purpose. Our whole existence as a body of people has one main purpose, so that the wisdom of God might be made known where? Says it. To the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. We, our very existence, when we gather together, when we have relationship with one another, 
The whole reason is that when we gather, we are a proclamation into the spiritual realm that God is ruler over all the earth and that every spiritual reality among us sees it and knows it when we gather together. Isn't that exciting? It makes it a little more than just about coming on a Sunday from 1030 to noon, right? (laughs) Where we just have a, a list of things to check off. No, we're a corporate body of believers that God is saying through crossing Carmel, The spiritual realm over the region is going to know my wisdom. When they gather together, light is going to shine in the region. And they're going to display something bigger than themselves and shift something in the spiritual realm over a region. And do you know what happens when we shift a reality over a region? Revival comes. Harvest come, souls get saved. Because the reason why people don't believe in God is because the God of this age has blinded the hearts of the unbelieving. There's a spiritual battle, right? He's blinded their hearts. So we gather together corporately to shine a light into the spiritual realm, to shift a reality. That's what God says we're doing as we gather together. And then hearts become ready and prepared. Do you know how significant it was two weeks ago at the youth conference when the first person in Carmel gave their life to the Lord? And it was a child, a little 10-year-old girl. She is the first fruit of this town. She's the first fruit of the work that God's been doing through us in the spiritual realm to shift a reality. And we see the fruit of it through a child giving her life to the Lord. That's significant, guys. That's no small thing. This is what we're gathering together for. So in our personal lives, right, spiritual versus natural, the natural is that humanistic tendency. But in the corporate setting, the spiritual mind versus the natural mind, that natural mind corporately becomes tradition. Traditions of man, where we just come and do a set of checklists. That's being naturally minded. That's saying church is just some cookie cutter thing, right? That has no power. And do you know how many globally, but in the United States even, just do that every Sunday, and they're missing this this incredible... (laughs) piece of what we're called to be, what God says the church is meant to be. So we're going to be starting in the next, over the next few weeks, this is what we're going to be hitting. The corporate body, the spiritual mind of the corporate body, why we gather together, what our purpose is, and then this is exciting, spiritual gifts. Uh, That makes me excited. I don't know about you, but I get excited because I look out into this group of people, each and every one, and I know, I am certain, that God has given spiritual gifts to each one because he said that he did. 
you could start reading 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12 going through chapter 14 because this is a big thing we're going to hit on. We're going to teach about how we function together as a corporate body to display the wisdom of God into the spiritual places. And to hopefully that every person here would begin to discover their spiritual gift and how they can give and use their gift in a corporate setting, in a corporate body, in this family. Because again, we're not here to be spectators, right? If, if you guys know Pastor Tom and I at all, this is not a spectator thing. Every person should have a place because that is the body. That is the church. That's how he designed us. That's his plan so that the spiritual realm would know that he's wise <laughs> and he's good, right? And so I'm, I'm very excited that we're going to start talking about this. It's right in line with our sound doctrine group. So we're going to go deeper and deeper in some into some of these things, right, as we meet on Wednesdays. But also in a, on Sundays, we are going to be casting this big, big picture vision where we're going as a corporate body, what our purpose is, what our mandate is, and what your unique call and position is here in this church family. And it's so important that we each know that for ourselves so that when new people come in and the harvest comes in, we know exactly what to do, right? <laughs> We know exactly how to train and disciple and teach them to come into their gifting and that it won't just be our senior leadership team doing it. It will be every single person in the body functioning. Someone comes in and you say, whoa, let me help you. Let me come alongside you. And we're all ready and prepared and have understanding and how to equip new believers, right? That's exciting. That's what we're laboring for. You have a place. You have a position in this church family. You do. And we're so excited that you're here. We're so excited that you're here to be part of what God's about to do in the state of Maine. Because we have a part in it, guys. <laughs> and each one of you is going to have a massive role. And it's very exciting. Amen? So... This is kind of, I just wanted to give kind of an overview. Did you want to share any? Tommy might share some thoughts he was getting from the Lord in the coming weeks, too. I know several from our leadership team is gonna are going to be sharing in light of this. But we're, we're giving big picture vision, guys, for who we are, what we're doing, where we're going, and why. Oh, I love those questions. Who we are, what we're doing, where we're going, and why. Say it with me. Who we are, what we're doing, where we're going, and why. One more time. Who we are, what we're doing, where we're going, why. <laughs> and why. Here we go, okay? So let's just stand. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, that you have an incredible plan for the church that before time began this was set like the scripture says in your eternal purposes 
that we as a community, a corporate body of people would be set on display for the world around us, the spiritual realm, to shine your glory and your majesty. And Father, I just pray that for each person in this room that you would begin to reveal the gifts the purposes, what part, what role they'll have in this church family. Father, I pray that as we, be, uh, as we talk about this for the next several weeks, months, God, that, that in each of us a fire would be ignited, that you'd breathe on the fire in us, God, individually and corporately, that we would truly explode as a family and that our corporate gathering would be one of the most joyful, celebratory times of our week where we come together to, to release what you've given us, to release what you've put inside of us, to declare what you're saying, and to shift an entire uh, spiritual reality. God, I thank you especially. I want to thank you for the young people in this body. God, I thank you for all these young people and their teens and, and younger. God, that you're going to multiply them. You're going to multiply their talents and their gifts. Just ex Hey, guys, let's just do this. Kids, come up here. Kids from, from Kiara's age down, come on up. We're just going to lay hands on you. We're going to surround you. I just feel, especially as a body, we're, we're training and equipping this next generation. And here they are, guys, warriors, warriors. 